Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. On today's episode, Liz and I have a great conversation with Taylor and Megan Kovar, otherwise known as The Money Couple. We dive into the importance of finances and financial infidelity and discuss their money personality assessment. We also talk about the great resources they offer and how you can achieve financial freedom at last. Known as The Money Couple, Taylor and Megan Kovar provide all kinds of resources to help individuals and couples manage their money. They consider themselves middle school sweethearts and have countless life lessons to share. Taylor is a certified financial planner, while Megan works as a full-time mom with their three cute kids. Together, they manage courses, blogs, and a podcast on their themoneycouple.com website. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to Stronger Marriage Connection. The doctors are in. I'm Dr. Liz Hale, clinical psychologist, along with Dr. Dave Schramm, my friend and the professor. We are dedicating our life's work to bringing you the best we have in valid marital research, along with a few tips and tools to help you create the marriage of your dreams. Our guests today are the money couple. How would you like to be known as the money couple? Yeah. Taylor and Megan Kovar, they were high school sweethearts who have been navigating life ever since high school. They've been growing up together as well as now growing up a beautiful family for nearly two decades. They are passionate about sharing resources about marriage and financial advice to couples in hopes of providing them with enough knowledge and tools that divorce is not an option. You're a couple after our own hearts, dear Taylor and Megan. Welcome to Stronger Marriage Connection. Thank you. Yeah, Excited thank to be here. You. Oh, I, and we love your accent. We love you I just, um, <laughs> and the generous, you know, people that you are and really wanting to make a difference for, for couples. As you know, Dave and I know anyway, money is one of those top five causes of the demise of marriage. Is that part of what motivated you to, to take over for this other darling couple that used to have, um, used to, I guess, did they used to be the money couple? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I've been in the financial world for well, ever since college. Um, wow. I learned at a young age, my parents didn't have any money. We, they were paycheck to paycheck, blue collar people. Um, I started dating Megan in high school and her parents had a few small businesses, not wealthy by any means, but they had some financial means and knowledge. And so when I was getting ready to try to pop the question and convince her to marry me, she was like, hey, so there's this big glaring red flag. And that is you keep asking me for rent money. And, um, and so I was like, yeah, I don't know any other way to live. Right. This is what I know. And uh, so I started studying finance. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Like, what's wrong with this? Um, your money is my he money now. I had no problem with that. I had a bit of a problem with that. 
And uh, so I jumped in and, and started learning everything I could about money, uh, worked my way through college with a finance degree, and then eventually launched my own investment firm. Um, and that's where I met the previous money couple, Scott and Bethany Palmer, who are just amazing people. And they're the ones that actually uh, kicked this thing off, um, learned the five money personalities, figured those out, worked with the statisticians to to create these some of these uh, initial resources. And uh, we built a great relationship and they asked us to carry the torch forward a couple of years ago. And we've been doing that ever since. Yes, we were honored to take that from them. Uh, that's great. Well, you're, you're doing a beautiful job following in their footsteps with your own flair. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Yeah, I love it, man. We're so excited to have you two on here. Um, it, it's fun. You said high school sweethearts. My wife and I were actually high school um, sweethearts okay, as well. And so there's something about that, that connection, kind of that young connection and growing together. Yes. One of the things, though, I love about you guys is you're so refreshingly candid, I guess, about, um, like so many couples, going through some some pretty rough spots in, in marriage, even nearly calling it quits by the, the second anniversary. Yet, despite the challenges, you guys have equipped yourselves to be better and to fight for your marriage and for your future. So what were you facing around year two, and how did you forge a new path forward? Take it. You take it. I want to see okay. where, where you go with <laughs> yeah. it. What your take was. Yeah. Oh. So uh, we had high school sweethearts. We've been dating since we were 14. Um, so in theory, we raised each other. And that's yeah. you know, what we tell each other. We, we basically <laughs> raised each other. Yes. Um, I don't remember a time that I did not know him. I, wow. Yeah. No kidding. Um, yeah. I mean, if we were, we were babies, you know, when we met basically. Um, and so, you know, we got married and we thought life should be perfect, right? We knew everything about each other. You know, we were our first loves and all this great stuff. Um, and then life happens and you move in together and you start thinking, oh, I didn't know that about you. And, and I didn't know that about you. Um, and before we knew it, the way I was spending money and the way that she was spending money and the way that we were thinking about the future and the way that we were really just looking at life in general, made us really pause and say is maybe this wasn't the best idea, right? Maybe before kids get involved, uh, before we, you know, we, we move down this road, maybe we should take a step back and reevaluate. Um, and that was so, a lot of trying times, um, during, during that period. And, and, you know, a lot of people say this first year or two of marriage are the, the toughest. Our, our first year was really great. Our second year, it just seemed like it all imploded. Um, that's when real life really started to hit, um, and we decided then that, hey, we've got too much invested in this, right? We're, we're already, we're already in this together seven, eight years. Um, do we want to throw it away just because we don't know how to communicate because we don't know how to really love each other the way that, that we feel like, um, God made us to love each other. And that's whenever we went down the road of, um, actually investing in our marriage. So we went to a marriage conference. We started reading marriage books. We went to therapy and said, Hey, like we've right. invested in college. We've invested in, you know, education. Maybe yeah. it's time we do that in our, in our marriage as well. Hmm. I agree. And you agree even better. We have the same vision of <laughs> yeah. how it went and how, how it's going. You, you have another impressive vision about never giving divorce an option, Megan and Taylor. And you believe that most marriages can be traced back to, and we would agree, lack of commitment, extensive arguments, unrealistic expectations, lack of marital preparation, and physical and financial infidelity. Let's talk about the latter. What are some examples of financial infidelity, please? Well, you know, I think a lot of that. Now, I'm going to jump in. Meg's very much more the marriage side of our of our the um, marriage, the uh, family, the and marriage, Taylor uh, is definitely the financial background. So he will he'll handle more of the financial questions. Yeah. Um. 
So we see a lot of financial infidelity where um, couples are hiding money. And we see this a lot in young couples, um, especially if they were um, on their own beforehand where, hey, this is my money, right? Like I made this money. This isn't your money. Uh, they don't know how to really share. And that's hard to say, but they don't know how to be a team. And so we see where maybe one one uh, spouse is making more than the other. And so they want to they want to enjoy it more. Right? Well, I made it. I made this money or, or the other spouse feels that you know, um, they make less, but, you know, they're not getting an equal share at the marriage. And so they feel like maybe they need to hide money or they need to, you know, find a way to, to pull money over here or take on more debt. And we, you know, we see that a lot where hidden credit cards come into play. Um, and what I, I think a lot of people don't realize is that financial fidelity, when it is exposed can really hurt. It, it can hurt just as much as a physical fin- uh, infidelity can. Um, and so kind of getting it out there that, Hey, you, you think you have this little mad money account, but it, there's a lot more to it than just having a few extra dollars sitting under the mattress. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, you bet. Yeah. Ouch. And Taylor and Megan, you, you believe that no matter where a couple is now, right, whether they are, they're out dancing in the daisies or they're pushing a, a boulder up the, up the mountain together, they're really struggling, you really believe that they can achieve financial freedom. So what does financial freedom look like exactly? Financial freedom for us was definitely not living paycheck to paycheck, which is the way that Taylor grew up. It wasn't the way that I grew up, but with my parents owning small businesses, you know, sometimes more money was coming in than other times. It wasn't a steady income. So for us, it was definitely being able to have that freedom to breathe week in and week out. We weren't just waiting on the next paycheck. And if that paycheck was maybe less than we thought it should be, you know, really struggling to um, catch up from there. Yeah. And so, you know, for us, I think when a lot of people hear financial freedom, they think, oh, millionaire, mm-hmm. right? Like that's, that's, that's just what you hear. You're like, oh, millionaire, you got life by the tail, you know, oh, you're retired at 20. Like, no, it, for us, financial freedom is a, it's not really a burden on you anymore. You know, it allows you to really go out and pursue your true calling, your true passions without being constrained by debt, constrained by by finances. I, you know, I grew up in a house where my parents lived on overtime and, and if the meal cut those hours, you know, it, it really hurt. Um, and so we, we really made it a priority in our home and we try to help others say, Hey, look, there's a whole lot of freedom out there if you can get your finances under control. And, and it's maybe not as hard as, as everybody thinks it, it's work, right? It is definitely work and, and it takes some education, but, uh, I think no matter what your income level, you, you can achieve some of that peace that comes with, um, financial freedom. I would agree. Did you have kind of a starting place for that, Megan and Taylor? Just curious. Do you, do you start with savings? Do you start with paying off bills? Where does a couple start? I For us, uh, this is a story I, t- I tell pretty routinely, but for us, it started, I was on a business trip to California and I was walking down Venice Beach. And uh, if you've ever been there, there's there's just people everywhere. And, and some are unhoused, right, or unhomed people. And they're there. They're living on the beach. Um, and I came home and I told M- M- Megan, I was like, hey, listen, like, I want to retire to the beach one day. These guys are already doing it. And she was like, yeah, but you probably want a house, right? You probably want a house on the beach, right? And I was like, yeah, you're right. Um, and so for us, it was really sitting down from the very first step and saying, why are we doing what we're doing? Um, why are we working? And that's one of the first questions I ask the the clients of our investment firm is, is really, why are you doing this? You know, why are you going for more college or why are you putting in 60 hours a week? Why are you growing this business? Why are you working? Because um, I think if you can start with your why, that makes everything else easier. Um, and then you can go back and say, okay, we need to maybe cut back on some monthly expenses to be able to get there, or maybe we just add more into savings. Um, it really helps to kind of allocate those funds better once you know the 
purpose of it. It's a lot easier to tell somebody, hey, you need to cancel your Netflix when they know, okay, well, that $20 a month really helps toward this goal. Um, and so for us, that's kind of where I tell everybody to start. start. Start with your why. Why are you doing what you're doing? Your why, your purpose, what are you saying yes to? So that the no's become a little more easier, easier to say, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I really like that. We really love your money personality assessment located on your website. It's just a free assessment. Can't get better than that. And it's just chock full of great information. What's interesting to us is that the five money personalities are not just about how we perceive money, but it's also how we view life, you say. It is. It, would you say, Megan and Taylor, that the best um, starting point is this assessment for couples? Yes, definitely. I think that um, you need to know so many things about yourself. But one of the things you need to know about yourself is your money personality, because you just don't realize how that affects so many different aspects of your personality as a whole. Yeah, and it really jumped out to us. I was I was looking for um, some tools and resources using our investment firm. I, I was creating financial plans for couples. And it really, it just felt like no matter what we were doing that you couldn't make both of them happy, you know, like, or there had to be something else we could, we could tie into. And that's how I, I came across the five money personalities and, and Scott and Bethany Palmer a few years ago. And um, whenever I took the assessment the first time and I started kind of reading, I was like, I've never had anybody speak to me like that. They, they read my mail, right. And they didn't know who I was, who I was. Um, and I had Megan take it. And um, from from there forward, we've had tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of other people take it. Um, and it, it, it's just a light that kind of tells you, oh, hang on. Maybe this is why I think this wow. way and how I can better communicate with my spouse, um, no matter what your money personalities are. So the so five now, oh, excuse me, Megan, go ahead. Well, it's so eye-opening because so many people think that the way that they view money is the correct way to view of money. Of course. <laughs> and um, it's... I mean, yeah. even in our relationship, opposites definitely attract and our personalities are very opposite, but our, our um, money personalities are very opposite as well. And I definitely went into it thinking, oh, well, yes, yes, his degree and his background is in finance, but I know more than he does about finance. I definitely, my way of thinking is definitely the correct way because I'm thinking you need to save every penny, you need to allocate, you need to just know, you just have to have everything down to the penny. And that was not how he viewed money. So the money personalities let us know that, you know, it is a very detailed part of how you feel about money, but it's not right or wrong. We'll be right back after this brief message. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought... There are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Let's dive right in. So you're a saver, is that your saver? Is that right, Megan? And you're the spender. Yeah. Taylor? So Megan, Megan is a saver, sec security seeker. So there's five money personalities: there's saver, security seeker, um, spender, risk taker, and flyer. And and you have a portion of all of these within you, but we really focus on those primary and secondary money personalities. And and we say the primary one is the one that makes most of the decisions. That's who you usually are, ninety nine percent, ninety percent of the time. 
And then the secondary one is kind of that backseat driver. When you're under stress, it's been a hard week at work. That one tends to take over. Um, and so, you know, we see savers who, you know, they'll go on a spending spree one weekend and we can tie it back to, well, <laughs> you, you, you know, you're also a spender in a way because you have this. Um, and so Megan in our relationship, she's a saver security seeker. I am a spender risk taker, which means I don't have any problem spending money and I don't have a problem. I'm not gonna say gambling the money, but, but, you know, ha- taking a risk on, yes. on, on businesses and different things. Um, whereas Megan is a saver. I mean, she likes to see those dollars. She likes to see where they're at, but from a security seeker, if she's buying something, it's usually a value. Um, she's one that if you, compliment her shirt, she can probably tell you how much she paid for it, where she got it, when she got it, and that you need to go get it as well. Yeah. And uh, I can assure you it was on sale. Yeah. And I can't tell you where half my clothes come from. I have no idea. Um, <laughs> she has a saying um, that she can get just as full at the McDonald's dollar menu as she can at the steakhouse. And that's how she thinks about money. Yeah. Whereas me, I want the steakhouse experience. You know, I, I want the experience. I want to go sit down and enjoy it. Um, and, and so it's funny how those money personalities really come to life throughout a lot of um, different avenues. Living. Yeah. yeah, I yeah. get it. So Dave, it's interesting because um, Taylor and I are the same. We're both spender risk takers. Yeah. And you know what that really means? It really means no list and no limits. Yeah. There you go. Yes. That's right. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, you boy. never want to send Taylor to the grocery store. Oh, boy. It makes I my husband my list so nervous. And I, I mean, I just stick to that list and I'm within $10 of that budget. And there is no budget when Taylor goes That's to the grocery so store. Funny. Yeah. My husband will say, how much was that? It's like, I don't know. I don't know. I just, yeah. Yeah. don't felt worry good. about it. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. it. Oh, that's right. right. Yeah. Now you're yeah. coming along. Yeah. yeah. Wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> My husband I, I did it. I, I took it as well as, and I'm more of a, like, kind of like me, yeah. you know, I'm a more of a saver. Um, don't like to, to take a whole lot of risks. I wonder though, let me ask you this. If some of this comes from maybe how we were raised, you know, the family or the circumstances, each family kind of has a, a story um, and I feel like that I, I don't know if I inherited that, but I saw how money was, was spent and how important it was. So it wasn't necessarily about money. It was about what money meant, you know, for me, it meant security, it meant safety, you know, and investing and not taking all these risks and not getting into, into credit card debt. So tell me your thoughts a little bit about, um, kind of where, where we get these money personalities. Yeah. We say you're born with them um, and they're part of your family of origin. Um, and so that's something we discuss quite a bit is, you know, whereas like five, the five love languages, um, I can take it today in a month from now, I may have different, you know, my, my love language may be a little different then. But our the way we think and feel about money doesn't change. Uh, we may learn, right? We may can learn to see the other side and learn to appreciate those differences. But ultimately, that is who we are. Um, and uh, we see this play out even in children. And so we have three kids and they are very, very different with their money personalities. Um, and, and so you can see this even with like Halloween candy is a great example. We have one that'll come in and they'll sort it out and they're going to know what they like the most and they're going to make a plan for it. And we have the other one who's just going to eat everything they can get. And by the time we get home, they're, they're, Candy bag is mainly wrappers. It's not candy. Um, you know, and, and so we kind of see these personalities and how we think about the value of things um, come out at a very early age. Um, and most time we just think, oh, well, that's, we, we say, well, that's just their personality. That's how they are. Oh, he, you know, he, he um, there's a hole in his pocket. He has to spend it. But there's a lot more to it that uh, that comes in behind the scenes. 
can only imagine. And what do you do about that? So since are many couples, couples, the opposites attract, like you were saying, Megan, is that true? Like I'm a spender. My husband's a saver. <clears throat> Dave might be more of a saver. He might feel his wife is more of a spender. Um, so how, how, what do we do with that? Is all lost? <laughs> No, <laughs> no, it's not all lost. Um, it's not. So, you know, we believe there's there's hope um, for any relationship and opposites attract for a reason. Um, you know, there are times and uh, I'll say this. We balance each other out. Um, you know, the things that she with her saver security personality and me with my um, spender risk taker, we can both appreciate those differences. And a lot of times couples, the arguments occur when they don't appreciate the differences that they fell in love with. You know, you, you fell in love with that person. There's a reason that, that you that you like them. And it's usually because it's something different from, from what you are. Um, and so it's the same thing with your money. If we take that and instead from going, hey, I have it right. I'm the one that's correct with money, whether I have the degree or I grew up with, with more means. No, it doesn't mean one's right or one's wrong. It just means, hey, we need to learn how to appreciate and communicate where we can both get out of this, what we what we really want. I love the shortcut, Dave, to a, um, a saver. Just the cheat sheet here is see money as a means to an end and not the end itself. Yeah. yeah <laughs> that's, that's so right. well said. Yeah. Because it is. can feel so drastic. It can feel like the end of the world. Like, what are you doing? Right. We might look at our partner feeling that they are so out of control, either, you know, too stingy or too generous, too, you know, carefree. So you say uh, highlight the difference. I understand the differences and make them work for you. I love that. You do. Yeah. And, and we can see this in a lot of different areas. Um, you know, for us, a lot of it, we go back to eating out because everybody eats out. Um, and so, or most, I'll say most everybody eats out. Um, and so we go on a lot of road trips. We travel a lot. And one of those things is when I'm on a road trip, I like to eat somewhere local. You know, I, I, I want to eat the hole in the wall. I don't care. I want that experience. Um, you know, I'm a risk taker. I, I don't mind taking the risk of I may not like it. Um, whereas Megan's very much like, hey, let's swing through McDonald's. It's dependable. It's there. We, they, We've we got three kids got with three us. Kids. Right. Um, More reasonable. So the, yeah. Yes. The risk taker has definitely caused us to end up in, you know, five-star restaurants, $100 a plate meals with five, with our three kids with us. And they're just wanting macaroni and cheese and chicken nuggets. But <laughs> we, we enjoy the experiences sometimes, but he has also leaned more towards my, um, my taste many times. So we've, we just try to balance each other out. Well, good for you too. I love the idea of giving our children the money personality assessment. That's really interesting that it starts so young. It's fascinating. Yeah, we wow. actually have two. We actually have two different kids' assessments. So one that goes from like age five to ten or eleven, and then one from like twelve to eighteen, um, because they just have different questions at that at that age. Um, and then we have little, honestly, mascots, characters that go with each money personality yeah. and and things to kind of help at those ages, um, depending on what money personality they are and and how to best nurture that for um, you know their future because. Whereas I'm a, I'm a spender risk taker. My son is not, and I have to learn how to communicate with him. If I want a great relationship with my child, um, I have to learn how he thinks and values money and assets as well. Yes. Cause you might approach that same way in being in, in sports, right? Sports or interactions. That's fascinating. Wow. This could really be an inroad. You're onto something. Thank you. Yeah. Hey. And you can do the same thing with, with uh, the money personalities and money as well as, Hey, some, some kids respond to, yeah. a chore or that the money that comes from a chore and others just they, they don't care about the money at all it's just you know a means to an end so 
Really fascinating. I remember speaking of parenting, I remember my mother saying, as I'm a spender, risk taker, I remember her saying one statement to me. She goes, Elizabeth, you're in for a rude awakening one day. And I never really knew what she meant, but I think she was talking about that. Right? Yes. <laughs> she was me that I was pretty footloose and fancy free, no list, no limits. Oh my goodness. Yep, that's right. Yeah, my dad would always say, remember, you can only spend that dollar once. And I grew up and learned that if you invest the dollar, you can maybe spend it more than once, right? That's the goal of investing. Um, but yeah, that's, that was his, his term as well. That's very cool. You learned about investing early. Well, speaking of kiddos, you're not a fan of children being paid for typical chores. This comes up a lot in marriage therapy. Please say more about why you think it's important that children don't get paid for helping to keep up their own home, right? And where you think that getting paid is positive. Yeah, I think you explained it perfectly there. They're helping taking care of their own home. So just like we make our beds in the morning and put away our laundry, we expect that our kids do the same. Of course, a nine-month-old isn't going to be able to, but they can they can handle those things a lot earlier than um, some people may think. I remember talking with a friend and we had kids the same age and they were about three years old. And she said, I think I'm going to start having, have them help around the house a little and help, you know, do put up, <laughs> put the pillows on the bed and put yeah. some socks away and that type of stuff. And I'm just nodding and smiling. But in my mind, I was thinking they could have done that like literally a year and a half ago. Like you wasted some time. You just, kids oh. want to feel needed they want to feel apart and um by letting them know that they are a part of the family they also have responsibilities in the family and i just for us it's it's been a good thing our kids have responded well to it and it has made our home a lot um more peaceful and we just have our routines and they there's no unexpected things that arrive arise during the day. They know that this is their routine. This is what needs to be done. And no, they don't get paid for it, but we do pay them when they go above and beyond. And I think that's really the key is, you know, as an adult, I, we're, for us, we're, we look and we're raising future adults, you know, we're right. raising the next generation. And so I want them adequately prepared. Yes. And for me, that means, Hey, if you're, you're part of something, you, you pull your weight, you know, you're, you're a valuable team member and not just kind of riding, you know, the clock or riding the coattails of someone else. And so in our home, even from a young age, Hey, it's time to pick up. Everybody picks up, you know, and, um, you, you clean up after yourself and, and we teach them from early age, how to do the dishes and how to do laundry and, and how to just be part. Um, and so we also teach them, Hey, if you're doing something that isn't really expected, if you're doing something that, um, you know, maybe we, we, we came in one day or uh, one morning I woke up and I'm, I'm a pretty early riser and my son was already up and he was in there putting the dishes in the dishwasher and it was like 5 30 AM. And, and he I, was like nine years old. Yeah, he was, yeah, he, he was eight or nine. And, um, I walked in, I was like, wow, buddy, you know, I, I didn't expect you, you know, you'd be doing that. And he's like, well, they, you know, I woke up and I was kind of up and, um, I saw it needed to be done. So I went and did it. And I was like, Hey, you know what? I'm, I'm going to give you, you know, some, some cash for that. Um, and so anytime they kind of go above and beyond is something that we want, we want them to be rewarded because in work, typically the ones that, you know, work the hardest or come up with the the ideas tend to be paid more. And so uh, right. we, we want ah, to instill brilliant. that in our children. Yeah. I love that. Well, Good for great. you. And you can never start too young. Like you say, I, I love that, that you instill this into them at, a, at an early age because the money becomes... I mean, it, it's an issue. It, it, it can be a struggle. I know the research that I did, um, Taylor Megan, is with newlyweds, and it's, it continues to be in the top three problem areas. Whether it's debt brought into marriage or credit cards or secret accounts and things. And here at the Stronger Marriage Connection, 
We're about things that can create a, a connection, a stronger marriage connection. And money struggles and arguments over money are one of those things that can create a a disconnection. So let me ask you this before I ask you the, the question that we ask all of our all of our guests. Let me ask you, there's going to be people listening to the, right now. They're saying, ah, man, we're kind of struggling in this area. Or maybe there's some financial infidelity or, you know, where, where do we start? Where would you recommend, you know, where are the next three steps for a couple that's, that's struggling? What would you recommend them do? Yeah. Um, so one, our website is chock full of resources. Um, so we're the money Uh, we have the five money personalities assessment there. We have a financial infidelity, um, assessment there as well, where you can answer 20 questions and it kind of gives you an idea of, Hey, are, you know, is there financial infidelity in our relationship and, and at what level? Um, and we worked with a marriage family therapist to help develop those resources and answers that, that come off of that. Um, so I would say one, you know, get, get educated, you know, get, there's, for me, there's no excuse nowadays with Google that there's, you can get the answer to anything in the world. Um, to be able to say you didn't know that, you know, these resources were available to you. Um, you have them, right? We have them on our websites. There's, there's plenty of more out there. Um, but definitely, you know, get educated. Number two, um, communicate, you know, talk with your spouse. This is a journey. We have a saying where everybody's on the same team, you know, or you're on the same team with your spouse. And so, um, pull them into it. Um, you know, the ones that win the Super Bowl, the ones that win the World Series are teams that practice together. You know, they work hard together. Pull your, pull your spouse in there. And then, uh, three, make it happen, do it. You know, uh, you know, so often we, we say, Oh, well, I don't have time or, you know, there's life got in the way for us. We put it on the calendar. You know, we said, Hey, you know, when we started getting serious about our finances, all right, Tuesday night, eight o'clock, we're meeting about finances and, and, um, you know, we, we live and die by our calendars. A lot of us do in our professional world. That's where the important stuff goes. Um, put it on the calendar. I put things on my calendar, like write Megan a love note, you know, it date night, I like make the finances a priority there as well. Um, stick it on the calendar and, and stick to it. Yeah. Uh, I love it. Yeah. My wife and I, we meet once a month and we go through our quicken, we use quicken and go through and make sure we reconcile. One of us is reading it up, making sure everything matches right. up and we know where, where we're at uh, oh. every month. And it's just that feeling again of, it's of safety. You know, I know, know where things are at. Um, and it, it builds a stronger marriage connection. If I could use the words that, uh, you know, a mentor of mine uses, um, yeah. but yeah, no, it builds a stronger marriage connection. Even if one spouse isn't, um, extremely comfortable with it or even really interested. And we see that a lot. Yes, um, but just keeping that connection, keeping that, Hey, I want to be tr- transparent with you on where our finances are and where we're heading. Um, it just builds a stronger marriage. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of which, let me ask you this then. We love to ask all of our guests what, what they feel like is the key to a stronger marriage connection. All kinds of things contribute to it. But in your mind, um, let me ask you, Taylor, and then, and then Megan, what is the key to a stronger marriage connection? Are you okay? I'm going to let Meg go first. Oh, that please. All right? Absolutely. I want to hear her. I mean, she she yeah. kicked off the very first question of me, so I'm going to kick this yeah, one. Yeah, that, that's fair. Yeah, let's hear it, Megan. All right. Uh, I don't know if it's fair, but <laughs> it definitely, I think it just goes back to communication. I mean, everything ties back to communication, unexpected, unexpected, like, I'm sorry, unmet expectations and just goals that aren't taking place. All of it goes back to lack of communication or unclear communication or one spouse doing all of the communicating and the other spouse stonewalling and refusing to communicate. I mean, it all goes back to communication and 
with that, I also say all the time, whenever I talk to my other young mom friends that are just starting out in um, parenthood or in marriage, I always say, you know, when you're working a job, you have to do continuing education credits. You know, you have to always continue your education. You always have to be making yourself better. And so many times in marriage, we think that we can just get married and just that's it. Our lives are going to merge and everything's going to be wonderful. But we really need to be a steward and a student of our spouse. We need to study them. We need to learn more about them. And we also need to learn about marriage. And we need to have the, um, we need to have mentors in our lives that we can look up to. We look up to their marriages and people that are going to speak truth into our lives and not just always surround ourselves with the yes men. We need people that will challenge us and help us to see that maybe the things that we're doing in our marriage, we need to work on. We need to see that those are um, not, it's not going to turn out good if we continue down that road. So definitely communication, mentors, educate yourself. And what else do you think, Tyler? That's great. Yeah. All right. What was the question? I want to make sure I have this right. Yeah, what, yeah, yeah. In your mind, what is the the key to a, a stronger marriage connection? Um, you know, I think for me, it's waking up every day and choosing to have a stronger marriage. Um, and for me, you know, that that takes a lot of things in the into consideration. I can wake up every day and and decide what I'm going to make the day of. You know, I I can decide if I'm going to have a bad attitude. I can decide if I'm going to take the trash out. I can decide if I'm going to, um, you know, do my part in this marriage. I can decide if I'm going to be a good dad. I'm going to be a good husband, or I can decide not to. Um, but every day is a choice, and so I, you know, for us, it's every day we want to wake up and make the choice to be a servant to our spouse. Hey. You know, I want to be strong when you're weak and, and you're strong when I'm weak. You know, it's not a, oh, this is 50-50. No, we're, we're both giving 100%. Um, and we see that a lot of, of, well, you know, they're just not doing this. They're not doing that. Well, what are, what are we doing, right? What are you doing? What are you bringing to the relationship? Um, and what choices are you making day in, day out to be um, the spouse that, that you would want? Um, and, and we live the by that live by that a lot, kind of like golden rule, treat others the way you want to be treated. Um, you know, if I want, um, you know, Meg to love me a certain way, I want to love her that way. Um, and I want to show those decisions um, that I make every single day to help make a stronger marriage. Yeah. Oh, well said, both of you. Thank you. Excellent. The Money Couple. You two are, again, so generous with your resources. TheMoneyCouple.com. Uh, you have blogs to weekly newsletters to physical resources. Thank you for always creating new material, Taylor and Megan, to help us along the way and this purpose and intention to marriage. What's the best place for listeners to find you? Is that it? Yeah. So the money couple dot com is, right. is kind of the central hub. Uh, we do have a we have a marriage minute newsletter we send out every Thursday. Uh, we are um, starting to ramp up some things on social media to provide some real time feedback and, and um, information for couples. Um, and I will, I will end with this or, or one of my last things is we say a lot, comparison is the thief of joy. And, and for us, when, especially when you're looking at finances, it's really easy to always say, you know, the grass is greener on the other side. It, it's easier to say, oh, well, they have it better or their parents were richer or they went to this college or, you know, dot, dot, dot. Um, but if, if you, if you want joy in your marriage, you want peace in your marriage, um, maybe sometimes it's, it's easier to let some things go. Um, and, and maybe that means changing jobs. Maybe it means turning off social media. Maybe it means putting certain things away. Um, but don't let comparison steal your joy. And, and, and we see that in finances so often. Well, you know, her husband bought her this ring for their anniversary or this purse, or they just went on this trip. 
okay. Like that's their team. That's, that's not our team. Um, so don't, don't let comparison steal the joy out of your marriage. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Well, and we'll put the resources and information, the links and everything in our, in our show notes. Hey, before we let you go, and you've been so generous with your, with your time and the information that you've shared with, with us and our listeners, let, let me ask you what, if you could have, you know, one piece of advice and Taylor, you may have said it with the comparison as the thief of joy. Um, but kind of what's your takeaway of the day? If there's one thing you want our listeners to know, each of you. That no matter where you are, if you want it to get better, if you want your relationship to get better, your marriage, your parenting, your financial situation, whatever it is, if you want it to get better, it can get better. And I'll say uh, one of the things, the sayings we have on the website or we did for a long time was what's your marriage worth? You know, um, what, what is it worth? What, what's your marriage worth to you? Is it worth, you know, is it worth going to therapy? Is it worth going to a marriage retreat? Is it worth reading a book? Is it worth turning off ESPN or, you know, some other show in order to spend time with your spouse? What is your marriage worth to you? Um, and, and live that way. Yeah. Oh, you guys are great. I appreciate that. Great, great nuggets. Liz, what's your takeaway of the day? Oh boy. I, I love that whole thing about comparisons and stealing the joy and, and grass is green on the other side. And then you get there and you realize it's AstroTurf, right? Yeah, it really is <laughs> yep. in my neighbor's house. I love their home and I love them, but their, their grass is AstroTurf. So I always smile oh. because I look yeah. at the yeah. neighbors and it's like, ah, oh, that grass is so dang green. And it's kind of true. And I think in all of our life, we get there and it's like, ah, oh, at the end of the day, I might just choose my own life, right? My own life. Yeah. And, right. And the, the grass that looks is all covered up with snow right now here in Utah. But I often think about worth too. And, and my question is a little bit different, but is it worth the loss of intimacy? If I do this thing, right? If I put this charge on this card, or if I go ahead and do this, um, do this expenditure without my husband, is it going to be worth the hurt, the loss of intimacy? And usually the answer is no, it's not worth yeah. it. It's good. Oh. Yeah, yeah, Dave, what about you? What's your takeaway, my friend? Yeah, lots of lots of good things. This yeah. is a great topic, a super important topic. I think that yeah. uh, just because we have differences, there's going to be a lot of differences, doesn't mean that we can't make it make it work with our personalities. It's about, okay, it's about understanding. It's about having compassion and, and simple awareness and trying to see things from our partner, our spouse's perspective. Even if we disagree, trying to see from their perspective, kind of the, the why behind it. Um, because we each... You know, we each have these these deep needs that we we yearn to have met, and so trying to see things from a, a bigger perspective and really trying to understand what money means um, to each each spouse or partner. So I think and that's my takeaway of the of the day. Um, well, Taylor, Megan, the Money Couple, themoneycouple.com is where you can find them. We sure appreciate you your time, and there are many resources that you have developed. We thank you again for coming on the Stronger Marriage Connection. Thank you yes, so much. We enjoyed you. it. And remember, dear listeners, it's the small things that create a stronger marriage connection. See you next time. Bye. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, do us a favor and take a few minutes to subscribe to our podcast and the Utah Marriage Commission YouTube channel, where you can watch this and every episode of the show. When you hit the like button and leave a comment, your feedback helps us improve the show. And don't forget to share this episode with a friend. You can also follow and connect with us on Instagram at Stronger Marriage Life and on Facebook at Stronger Marriage. Be sure to share with us what topics you want us to explore or what you loved about today's episode. 
If you want even more resources to improve your relationship connection, visit our website at strongermarriage.org where you'll find free workshops, webinars, relationship surveys, and more. Each episode of Stronger Marriage Connection is hosted and sponsored by the Utah Marriage Commission at Utah State University. And finally, a big thanks to our producers Rex Polanis and Alexis Alcott and the team at Utah State University. And you, our audience, you make this show possible. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.